And firstly, thank you to all of you who have come today. It means so much to us that you are here. We are so grateful that you've come to support us, whether you are here every single week, you're just checking out church and St. Thomas's, um, or you're here just to see what it's all about. We are so thankful that you are here. In terms of the actual project of this church, this church building being what it is today, there's a few people in particular that I want to thank. The first are our wonderful Bishop, Bishop Mark, and our fantastic Archdeacon, Rachel, and everybody from the Diocese of Newcastle who have been so supportive in getting us this far. So I'd love it if you could give those guys a big round of applause. (laughs) Rachel will tell you that it's not always been the easiest ride to get things through, but just because of the significance of the building, but it's been an absolute joy to work with the DAC and, um, and the diocese. Um, a couple of people I want to mention. Um, the, um, Rod McPhee is from the Vision and Strategy Unit in the church. Is that what it's called these days, Rod? What's it called now? Vision and... Vision and strategy. Um, and he's been our point person all the way through launching, um, launching St. Thomas's, well, relaunching St. Thomas's and getting it to what it is today. And he's worked really closely with Chris Potts, um, who's here, who was our project manager here at St. Thomas's, and um, our strategy program manager and for the diocese, Chris Elder. They have been an unfailing support. And um, Chris has often taken daily, well, both Chris has often taken daily phone calls from me and Lee. So I'd love it if we could thank those guys as well. This space has been completely and totally transformed um, from what it was even two years ago today. And lots of that is, well, Lee's been involved in lots of the vision um, behind that. Um, And he's worked very closely with our fantastic architect who's done a superb job, Tristan. Tristan, can you stand just where you are? Love it if we could show our appreciation to Tristan. I don't know if Phil is here, but Phil, who's, uh, who's been the site manager here for the best part of 20 months, um, has been absolutely fantastic. And the whole team at DP Builders have been superb. And um, in the height of the lockdowns, because obviously we started this building project in, in the pandemic, um, when you weren't allowed to see anybody outside of your household, but construction was allowed to happen, I saw Phil and Andy, who was the deputy site manager, probably more than anyone else except for, um, except for Ellie. And um, they really did start to be, you know, we saw them most days, Monday to Friday, and, and got to know them really well. They've been an absolute joy to work with, and they've done a superb job in very challenging circumstances. So I'd love it if we could thank them as well. Um, There's just two more groups of people. Um, The first is the staff team here at St. Thomas's who have been so patient and gracious um, in what has been a very challenging first three years of planting a church. Um, Obviously, we launched and then the pandemic hit just four months in and then we couldn't come back here because the building work started. We had nowhere to go for a little bit, so we were live streaming from the diocese and offices. We then went to St. Hilda's, which was an absolute joy, but also a challenge. No office space. Everyone was working around our dining room table at the Vicarage for the best part of a year. Um, And the staff team have just been unfailingly patient and gracious towards me in particular um, as I try and do my best to lead them through this time. So I'd love it if you could thank the staff team who are amazing. (laughs) 
And lastly, but most importantly, I want to thank the St. Thomas's Church family. Um, we didn't know exactly what would happen when we relaunched St. Thomas's three years ago last Thursday. Um, lots of people have found Jesus um, as to be Lord and Saviour. Jesus has rescued people. Lots of people have been baptised. Um, being part of the church family at St. Thomas's is the, one of the best things, that, well, probably the best thing that I've ever been part of. It is just an absolute joy. And um, church family, you have been so gracious with us. When plans have had to change last minute, when we told you 14 months ago that we were six weeks away from opening, and then it stayed six weeks for the next 12 months, when we had to make change plans last minute, um, you have been so, again, just so gracious and patient with us and so supporting. And um, we couldn't have done it without you. So the, I think the biggest thanks goes to the church family. So St. Thomas's church family, we love you. Okay, so if you have a Bible, turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, and I'm going to read to verse 7. Jeremiah 29, verses 1 to 7. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the, the, and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisar, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. There's some fantastic names back then, didn't they? It said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for if it prospers, you too will prosper. Church, this is the word of the Lord. So this Old Testament reading, which has been set for the day, um, again, lots of churches all over the world will be looking at this today. Um, in this reading, we get a letter from God to his people who've been exiled in Babylon. So God's people had been carried away from their homeland, a place that they know and love, to a very strange and unfamiliar place. In fact, it was so strange that God's people decided to camp on the outskirts of the city rather than move into the middle and get involved with the, pe the Babylonian people. They didn't really want to get to know the people um, at all. They were really praying, God, take us away from here. Rescue us from this place so that we can just go home. Now, I guess that sometimes we find ourselves feeling like we're strangers in a strange and unfamiliar land. That may be true for those of you that have just moved to Newcastle for work, or you've just moved your family here for a new job, or you've just moved here as a university student. But even if Newcastle is our home and we've grown up here for men, maybe lived here all of our lives, it can still, I guess, over the past three years, feel like a strange and unfamiliar place. It's very easy to listen to the voices that say, don't settle down, 
Don't love this city. It's far too difficult to love. Don't give it your effort and your energy and your time. Don't seek its prosperity. But God has got another plan for his people in exile in Babylon. And he has another plan for us. And it's a plan to reveal his majesty and his glory, not just here, but to the nations. Now, I don't have time to exegete this whole passage. I'd love nothing more, but I would be here for an hour and a half. So I just want us to look at three things really briefly. And these are the three things that were, would have been given to you on the blue tag as you walked in that I talked about a little bit earlier. That is plant, pray, and prosper. Plant, pray, and prosper. So firstly, plant. So remember, God's people who had different customs to the people of Babylon. They had a different religious worldview, a different moral code, a different way of doing life. They would have eaten different foods. Um, being in Babylon would have been very unfamiliar. They'd have been hit with all kinds of different tastes and senses and worship and all of those kinds of things. And then in verse four, God says to his people, I carried you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was God's sovereign plan. Now, wherever you are right now, even if it's difficult, perhaps you're going through a really difficult moment in your life right now. Whatever it is that you're going through, take comfort from this passage that God has a plan for you. God is in control. Now look at verse five. God tells his people, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens, marry, have children, increase in number there. Now, when God's people heard this, they would have been absolutely shocked. Remember, they wanted to get straight out of Babylon and back to Jerusalem. But planting a garden, getting married, having children, and then marrying off your children is not something that you do if you're only staying for a little while in the place where you are. These are things that you do if you're called to a place for the long term. They're called to build houses. We've discovered here that construction often takes far longer than you ever think it will. God's people are not just supposed to be here for a little while. And so God calls his people to plant themselves right in the heart of the city, to not live totally separate lives, but to get to know the place, to love the people, to get to know their customs and their ways. They're called to build meaningful relationships with the Babylonian people. Now, part of our vision statement here at St. Thomas's is that we're called to be a people who build community. Building community. We've been called to build a community right here where we've been planted in the heart of this fantastic city. And that isn't just about building community with other Christians. That's about building community with who God has called in, its enti in his entirety to this city. To the universities, the civic centre next door, the, the fantastic businesses that are, that are around. Those who are on the edge of society. We're called to plant community. And it's the most radical and amazing community, the church, that you will ever think of. Where else do you get people from different walks of life, different political opinions, different stages of life, coming together and being family with one another. We're called to build community. God's people would have felt a real tension here. The people of Babylon had a completely different moral code. They thought differently about relationships. They worshipped other gods. 
And so God's saying to them, you can't influence the Babylonians if you live a completely withdrawn life. But neither were God's people called to completely culturally assimilate and become so like the Babylonians that they completely lost their distinctiveness. They were to remember that they were a chosen people who'd been blessed so that they could be a blessing. Now, for those of you that call St. Thomas's home, or perhaps you're from a different church in the diocese, the, the same is true for us, for us. God calls us to settle down, to plant, to stick in for the long term, to pray for the city, all of the things that are in this passage, to build our lives alongside people who don't yet know that Jesus is Lord and Saviour, so that we can see God's kingdom come together where we have been planted. Now, we can only do that as we follow Jesus together. He has to lead the way. The first part of our vision statement is following Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus so that his glory can be revealed and his gospel proclaimed to this region and beyond. Now, we don't do this in isolation. We do this with every other church in the diocese. We do this with every other church in the city who've been here far longer than us and doing a fantastic job. We're just playing a tiny little part of what God has called us to do. But we're called to follow Jesus and build community, to plant and put down roots, not for our sake, but for the sake of the city. So firstly, we're called to plant. Secondly, we're called to pray. Look at verse 7 with me. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God's people are called to seek the peace and prosperity of the place that they've been called to. Now, how were they to do that? As I've said, Babylon was such a different place, different people. The scale of the challenge before them in order to see, the, you know, in order to see it look like the, the, the city that God, God had vision for, it would have looked absolutely huge to them. They probably thought, where on earth do we start? Well, God tells them where to start and he tells them that they are to pray. Karl Barth once said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Now, when we look around the Northeast, it is, the, I think, the most amazing place to live in the world. Newcastle is the best city in the world by an absolute country mile. And we have the most beautiful beaches. Northumberland is absolutely stunning. It's an amazing place to be. But there's also some really significant challenges that face the region. Increasing levels of child poverty. Increasing gap between the rich and the poor. Um, input into social services, adult and children. You, there's, we could all name loads and loads of challenges and we can look at that as God's people and think, where on earth do we start? Well, God tells us where to start and we're to be people of prayer. When you pray for someone or something, it changes the way that you think about the situation. It changes the way that you think about the person that you are praying for. When you pray for somebody, you get a glimpse of God's heart for them. It also changes you. As you pray for people and as you pray for this region, I guarantee that as you pray, you will be changed. 
I read this quote recently about prayer. We are not called primarily to create new structures for the church in this age. We are not called primarily to a program of service. We are called, first of all, to belong to Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord and to keep our lives warmed at the half of his life. It is there in the place of prayer that the fire will be lit, which will create new structures of program and service that will really make a difference. So church, let's be people of prayer. And what is it that we pray for? Well, thirdly, the third P, we, we pray that the city will prosper. God's people were called to plant in Babylon and pray so that they could see the city prosper. Now we see throughout the Bible that God's people were always called to be blessed so that they could be a blessing to the nations. They weren't to hold on to blessings for themselves. If you hold on to blessings for yourselves, they usually turn into idols. We're called here at St. Thomas's to give away all that we've been given for the sake of this region. The same is true for every single church. We're called to give it all the way for the sake of the people that we're called to serve. God's people were to seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon before their own peace and prosperity. Now the Hebrew word for peace here is shalom, which basically denotes complete and total wholeness and peace and transformation. I wonder what God's people thought it would look like for Babylon to be transformed. Well, the last bit of our vision statement here at St. Thomas's is that we want to be a people who love Newcastle. We want to be a people that love the Northeast. What does it look like for us to pray for the peace and prosperity of this region? What does it look like for us as we dream to think about God's kingdom breaking out everywhere? What does it look like for this region to be alive in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, to the glory of the Father? Well, it probably looks like broken relationships being restored, for children to not grow up in poverty, for teenagers to know their inherent value and worth, to know that they're made in the image of God and their identity is not based on their achievements, but on what God says about them. What does it look like for businesses to be doing business in a godly way, for education to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, for new church communities to be planted across the region, and for many, many people to call on the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved? There's some of the things that it will look like for us to be praying for as we seek the peace and prosperity of this city. Now, it may not happen overnight. In verse 10, which we didn't read, God tells his people basically to buckle down and to settle for 70 years. Now that would have come as an absolute shock to them. 70 years, we were praying to get out of here right now. Some of you have been called to, to settle down and buckle in for the long term for the sake of this region. Some of you think you're only here for three years to study a degree. Some of you think you're only here for a couple of years for the new job that you've moved to. But for some of us, God is calling us here for the long term so that we can see God's kingdom come and his will be done in the northeast as in heaven. And all of us need to be praying about whether that is true for us. 
Perhaps God is calling some of you to get involved in this vision right here and right now. I know that some of you come from elsewhere in the diocese. God's calling you to settle down and plant for the long term where you have been called to. Now this, in our own strength, seems absolutely impossible, doesn't it? But we can do it, church, because we're in Christ and all of the things that we see in this passage, all of the things that God's people are called to do, Jesus did first. Jesus planted and put down roots. Jesus left his home in heaven and became man to dwell among us. He exchanged his throne for a manger. He put down roots so that we could be free. Jesus prayed all of the time. All the way through the Gospels, you see Jesus praying. And what is Jesus doing right now? He's at the right hand of the Father and he is praying for you. He's praying for your family. He's praying for this church. He's praying for the diocese. He's praying for Cranmer Hall. He's praying for everybody and everything that's represented here. And Jesus saw our prosperity and peace ahead of his own. So much so that he went to the cross for us. All of the things that we're called to do as God's people, we can do because Jesus has already done them. We're called to plant, to pray, and to prosper. And we do that here at St. Thomas's by following Jesus, building community, and loving Newcastle. We're not here to build a massive church in the city centre. We're not here just to create a cosy little family that just exists for us. We, we, like God's people here, are called to see a city and a region transformed. Now, I just want to give a moment's quiet just for us to think about how do we respond to this. Where is it that God is calling you to plant? Where is it that God is calling you to pray for? Where is it that God is calling you to seek the peace and prosperity of ahead of your own peace and prosperity? And perhaps today is the day that some of you say, I'm all in. I'm all in for doing this right in the heart of Newcastle, here at St. Thomas's. Perhaps for some of you, you say, I'm all in for following Jesus. I hear that he planted himself on earth for me that he's praying for me and that he sought my prosperity ahead of his own. Let's take a moment just to respond just as the band come back up.